Hey everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm James, that's Katie, and of course, that makes this episode 23 of Circles and Squares. Uh, I don't know about you, Kate, but I've had a pretty long day. It's just after 8 p.m. here now, and you know, I'm looking forward to just chatting games with you and then getting a damn good sleep. <laughs> I, I need it. <laughs> How are you? Uh, I'm doing good. I had the kind of the opposite today. Um, we're recording this on on Thursday, which is sort of my my day off. So I had a nice, you know, relaxing. I got up a little late, made a coffee, you know, sat and was cozy. I'm envious. Uh, but <laughs> but I was also extremely productive. Um, to follow up on our our previous Hades episode, I've sort of got this in my mind that I'm gonna like hundred percent the game. And we'll see if that actually ends up happening or That's not. It's a big undertaking. I was going to say, there's a shitload of stuff to unlock. Well, I, I have an ambition, but you know what? I'm actually really far. Like, I, I think I'm relatively close. Like, I got an achievement today, and it was like 5.6% of players have done this. And, like, I've kind of, like, close, like completed some story stuff. Oh, and you so, know what I'm thinking is is because there's... I guess you're playing on PC, right? Because on Switch, there's no achievements mm -hmm. or anything. I'd have to go like manually through each checklist. And, and I guess oh, it's not too tough, okay. but there's no achievements, right? Yeah, yeah. That is one of the, the downsides of playing on, on Switch, I guess. Because, you know, I'm not like a trophy hunter, but it is always, it's nice when something pops up. And there's been a few trophies that I've specifically like work towards getting because they've they've been something fun or unusual gameplay wise that I might not have done uh, if it wasn't for for the trophy. But uh, but anyway, I, I won't spoil it because I'm sure there's a lot of people who are still playing the game right now and, and haven't made it as far. Um, but I beat today the probably, I guess, I'm, what I'm assuming is how you make the final boss as hard as you can. Damn, okay. In a sense that, like... It's, I guess, a slight um, foreshadowing for, for later in the episode, um, but it gives you the option once you get far enough to make, like, difficulty choices. And one of the choices is actually you can make each boss a harder version of themselves. Oh, wow. Like, you can't, you, like, in a way you can't access in the regular game then. Yeah. So it like, becomes an option you can kind of, like, toggle. And it, you can do it individually for each boss. And so, obviously, the 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 last one you can do is you can... And make Hades tougher, and he's like already tough enough on his own. Like, he's yeah, no I was gonna chump. say it's, it's a tough challenge sometimes, <laughs> depending like what weapon you have and everything. So I, yeah, I mean, he's, yeah, he's no chump. But I, I beat. I took me a couple tries, but I beat him on the uh, the harder setting today. And oh my god, it was so intense. Like, I didn't realize when I was in the fight, but afterwards, I was like standing up, and I realized like the <laughs> adrenaline was wearing off. My heart was like pumping. The music gets so intense. It was awesome. So I'm riding that high probably for the next like. I don't know. Hopefully not too, too long. I'd also like to go to bed tonight, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Might be the Hades high all night. You never know. <laughs> Might be the Hades high for the next week. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you know, that reminds me of some of the, me when I'm fighting some of the Bloodborne bosses as well. Like I, I would just be sitting on the couch, you know, fighting, fighting. I remember this against, um, who's the guy at the top of the castle at Kanehurst? Uh, Marta Lagarius. Oh, Lagarius, yeah. That guy, I don't know, he had my number for a while and I just got to this point where I would be getting closer and closer and like inching off the couch and by the time I actually got to the run where I beat him, I remember I was like, yeah, standing in the middle of the living room, like not even really <laughs> consciously deciding I was going to do that. It just, that's yes. where I ended up. I know, I, well, I, was, I was standing at my desk when I fought him because I, you know, I converted my desk into a bit of a standing desk to not, you know, because I'm yeah. here all day and uh I, I like, was like so overwhelmed and the adrenaline was there. My heart was pumping. and I was so intense. And I like did a couple laps, just like walked around my chair and like around my <laughs> living room. <laughs> like, it, it would seem so silly if someone was here to to watch. But like it's it's it, the adrenaline rush is real in some of these fights, like the music and like you're it so is. focused and like, oh, like he gets down to the end and you're like, come on, like I want to beat it so badly. <laughs> Well, no one was in the living room with you, but they're sure hearing it now on the show. So you've been outed as the, the extreme stress, <laughs> stressed out person who are playing boss fights, I guess. But maybe we'll talk some more about some difficult boss fights later on because we have a pretty busy show here uh, today, Kate. Maybe we'll get into it. Um, just before we do, though, I, I want to let everyone know we're going to be talking, obviously, about the PlayStation Plus games for February as part of our news section. And we would love it if you've played any of the games. Uh, again, PS Plus this month, just to get into it a bit early, I guess. Destruction All-Stars, Concrete Genie, Control. Um, we'll talk more about them later but they're all fairly sizable PlayStation. Uh, two of them are exclusive to PlayStation. The other one, Control, obviously, is just a big game. So if you have any thoughts on these leading up to the next episode, uh, feel free to send us a message just with your thoughts on the game or a question you have. 
about what we're going to be playing with any of those three games uh, to circlesandsquarespod at gmail.com. We would love to read them out, answer them on the show. At the end, we do a listener mail um, every episode. So thank you very much for anyone that writes in. Uh, but today, Kate, we're going to be talking, obviously, about the games we've been playing uh, the last couple of weeks. We'll then be taking a quick break and getting into the news section for the second part of the show, uh, which does include the PS Plus news, as well as a couple other stories. And then finally, uh, to end out the show, instead of doing a list- listener mail at the end and, and you know, as a, as a shorter thing and then doing another topic before, uh, we're actually taking another listener mail question we got and expanding it into the full third segment. And we're going to have a discussion on difficulty in video games. So stick around uh, for that at the end. But Kate, before we get uh, that far in the show, let's talk about what we've been playing. And both of us, um, since we last recorded, have checked out the Resident Evil Village demo. Yeah, I think it's called Resident Evil um, Village Maiden. I think it got its own kind of yes. exclusive title. I remember it did because I had trouble finding it in the eShop. I'm like, where's the Res- Resident Evil? This is just buy the game, but it's called Maiden. So Yeah, um, it's a bit confusing. And it was only on that. <laughs> I th- yeah, we mentioned it last time too, but it, the demo was exclusive for PS5, which is, is an interesting choice because the game, uh, like we were just talking about off mic uh, when we were, just before we recorded, is, it, the game is multi-platform, so... Um, interesting maybe marketing decision I guess for for PlayStation to get the demo but um, yeah what did you think of it uh overall I liked it my my first impression was positive I mean it 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 really just felt like a Resident Evil game like I I played Biohazard um it was, it was a little while ago right later last year I think yeah it was it was uh not too too long ago and and this game really felt very similar to that I mean obviously it's got a different setting and, and the aesthetics a bit different but um it it felt very similar i think it's made in the same engine like it looks very similar to biohazard um but overall i I had a positive impression i found the demo was surprisingly short yeah it was uh, which is which is a shame and also strange especially too because it was an exclusive it's like sony paid a lot and it was like you know like you could beat the demo in 20 minutes if you don't get too stuck yeah, I, f- I found the same thing. I, I think that some of the length on what they may probably anticipate is like people are going to go through the demo pretty slowly just because of the the fear factor of it, right? You're in some pretty dark hallways and it's kind of a like a prison that you appear in at the start of the thing and, and not to give too much away for those that want to check it out. But but uh, yeah, you're, you're kind of going through some pretty scary environments. So I, I know like <laughs> for me, it, it took me, uh, yeah, probably about that 15, 20 minute range to get through it. Although like if I was to go into the demo again, you could beat it and literally probably two minutes if you if you just kind of mainlined it but that's not the point right Um, yeah exactly you want to look around and you know look for 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 notes or secrets or things and um it was good i I found the first half of it a lot scarier than the second half the setting changes part way through and i i think the first half is just a lot scarier of a setting although the the monsters i guess and the enemies seem oh you know what interesting why don't we why don't we just spoil it here it's only a demo i feel like you know, it's yeah. pretty short. People can go play it if they want. Like you, that that tall lady is, is what everyone's been talking about. <laughs> Whatever her name is, uh, people love this chick. And you know, she she honestly does seem like a pretty cool character. She does. But you know what my favorite thing about her is? Is Capcom has officially come out and said after people got like you know sort of memeing about how tall she was, Capcom has officially come out and confirmed that she is nine six. She's nine six. <laughs> He's nine six, and like that's such a weird and specific detail to note. But like, I love it. <laughs> the, spe- the specification of the, like, yeah, that exact thing. Yeah, wow. like, I believe wow, it though because she's really tall. Yeah, because like, there's one point in the demo which you get to, and and where where she's kind of it's kind of scripted, unavoidable, where she grabs you and and does this little bit of it's like an attack, I guess, where or bites you or whatever she does, and you can see that she kind of has like this this view of you from above almost as she's coming down to grab you and it's like you can tell she must be pretty tall <laughs> yeah um but yeah I, I think overall i i mean I, I was intending to to buy and play it anyway this hasn't really changed my mind like i think if you don't own a playstation 5 yet um i don't think you're really like missing out by not having gotten this demo um but it was it was fun to just sit down and, and sort of like get excited about it so um the the biggest thing to me though is not so much the demo, but just the release date. I wasn't expecting it so early, but they confirmed that it's going to be out on May 7th, which is not very far away. Yeah, it's, it's pretty encouraging. I like the fact that it's a quick turnaround time because this demo really could bring in, you know, people who maybe saw the Resident Evil 2 remake that was really popular last year, or maybe they did check out Biohazard because I think that's on the PS Plus collection, right? 
And so uh, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So maybe they're th the thinking is like, well, you know, people have played these games recently. Let's put the demo out. And then, hey, if you like that, the, the game's coming out just a couple months later on. So I think it's a good kind of turnaround schedule as long as, you know, things have been getting delayed like we've been talking about. So as long as it doesn't get pushed or, or sent back for any kind of reason, I think it's it's going to do pretty well in, in, in May. Well, fingers crossed. I mean, the last thing we want is more delayed games, but I guess that's better than, <laughs> you know, bug buggy messes. <laughs> hey, we'll see. But either way, I guess you'll be you'll be playing it and talking about it on the show at that time. So we'll look forward to that. Um, maybe I'll move along, Kate, and I'll tell you about a game that I played and beat in one day because uh, it's always nice. You know, I, I don't know how often you do this, but sometimes I like to sit down and, and kind of just have a short experience, you know, one or two hour game and play it in like one sitting. I think that's mm -hmm. a really cool experience and it's, it's a nice way to get in and out of something quick. Maybe if you're, especially like I'm playing Persona 5 The Royal still, right? I'm 115 hours or whatever it is in. I'm like, I need to break this up with something for my afternoon. And yeah, so, have yeah. A little, have a little bite-sized game. <laughs> exactly. It literally bite-sized because I played Donut County, um, <laughs> which Delicious. ironically has almost nothing to do with donuts. Um, what? It's not a cooking sim? You know what? Surprisingly not. It is, it's a puzzle game with a really cute, kind of cartoony animal aesthetic and it's from uh, Annapurna Interactive. I don't know if you're too familiar, but they, they're the studio or I guess they're a publisher that, that put out um, What Remains of Edith Finch and Florence um, and a couple oh, other okay. kind of artsy games that, that I actually quite liked both of those. So I was excited to check this out. Um, it's actually from the, the developers, Ben Esposito. He worked, he was one of the programmers, I believe, on Edith Finch. So kind of cool oh, okay. to see him, him work his yeah. way up. And, nice accolade for sure yeah definitely so the game basically is um it's, it's a puzzle game focused on this donut delivery service where the donuts well let me back up the story is about it's in this little town like everyone's an animal kind of cutesy kind of like an overcooked style art style and mm -hmm. um the alleged plot is that some raccoons have showed up and you know raccoons are really into garbage and so they've started this donut delivery service but instead of delivering donuts the, the quote unquote donuts are holes in the ground, which uh, slowly start to you're, you're trying to suck up the stuff that everyone has around their yard and, and get into this hole because the, the raccoons want to collect all the garbage because that's what they're interested in. So you start off and you're every puzzle starts like in the in the front of someone's house, for example, and you'll you'll be this little tiny hole in the ground moving around, kind of sucking up little stones off the ground and little blades of grass and maybe little small pieces of debris that are on the floor. And then the the more you absorb, the larger the opening in the ground starts to get. And you can start to all of a sudden you're like, oh, there's a newspaper on the ground. Kind of suck that up. Then, oh, the lawn chair the guy was sitting on to uh, read the newspaper is just just will fit now. And you start to absorb more and more stuff. And and by long, you're kind of sucking in houses and giant mountains and, and like basically a giant sinkhole is at your disposal and you're just <laughs> destroying everything around. Wow, that sounds like it escalates quite a lot. But it I got to I, if I ordered a donut, like say, you know, it's like, it's like 1am, I'm having a hard time. I need a donut really badly. Tim Hortons is on skip the dishes. Now I order a donut. If a sinkhole shows up to my door instead of a donut, <laughs> I am not going to be pleased. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the characters in this game, they actually get over it pretty well. Because like, what happens is obviously at the end of every level, if you're sucking people's houses down and all their possessions, they're going to go with it. So the game right. kind of takes place in this underground type of cavern where the inhabitants of this town are, are recounting the stories of like what happened to them. And invariably there'll be, there's like one character that runs a restaurant and they're like telling you about does how he actually, does he actually sell donuts now? Or is it just go even deeper? Is there another single? <laughs> <laughs> that maybe that's for the sequel. I don't know, <laughs> but it's, it's just cool. They see every character's individual story of what happened and, and how they basically, their life has been ruined by this raccoon. And and uh, he actually ends up in the hole, too. And there's a whole story about how they get out. Um, it's cute and charming and takes place over a couple of hours time. So it, it's a nice little it doesn't overstay its welcome because the game isn't overly complex. Like there, there's not really too much mechanical uh, complexity going on. You're kind of just directing this hole around sinking everything down. There is some some like light puzzle solving elements, which are actually kind of creative, where, for example, you can. Uh, come across a hose or like a like a pond in someone's yard and if you put the the sinkhole underneath that uh, it fills with water so then you can instead of you know when you pick up a box instead of it just dropping into the hole it will float in the water so you need to use that for certain kinds of puzzles um, and you can also shoot things out of the hole less uh, if you pick up certain items so there's there's one where if you fill it with water you go then past um, kind of a hydroelectric one of those 
wooden wheels, you know, that come that goes on on like a factory mm-hmm. or something, and you shoot the water yeah. through that and power another another um, facility. So, I mean, it's just kind of little stuff like that that's creative and, and cute, but it's not really anything that bends your mind too far, if you know what I mean. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so it was just like a nice light experience. Um, there's a lot of collectibles too. Like there's a something called the Trashopedia, which is where you keep track of all the different <laughs> items you've absorbed over the game, and you can kind of go through and, and read about them and and what they are. So there's some stuff there for like achievement hunters and collectible people as well. But in general, I think this game's even on your phone and whatnot too. So if you have some interest, I'm sure you could probably pick it up for you know five or six bucks, whatever it is. And and I think it's worth your time if you're looking for something like that. But um, I mean, don't go in expecting it's going to last you super long. That's my only yeah. my only criticism, basically. Yeah, but that's I, fair. But I liked you know it. sometimes sometimes you just want something like relaxing and just you know like quiet to play for a little bit. And like I've actually I've heard of this game and I've heard really good things about it. Uh, actually, like I, I like you know I'm sure maybe it gets overhyped a little bit, but I've heard the story is is quite nice and the writing's actually pretty good, especially because you're not really expecting it. Like it seems like it could have just been. A puzzle game like a, just a light simple puzzle game they didn't have to really like justify the world or like go into tons of detail but people really appreciate that they did so yeah, I, i've well, actually I heard like did. nothing yeah i've heard like nothing but good things about this little game and it's been one that's sort of like eh, you know like a steam sale i might pick it up or like might be a good switch game if i start commuting again or something yeah totally it's great it'd be great on switch like anything handheld for sure i played it on pc just because it was on a uh, game pass for for free so i checked it out there but i mean anywhere you can get it would be great i would imagine it would actually be pretty good with touch controls if you had it on switch even so so maybe something to look out for. But uh, yeah, Donut County, check it out if you have an opportunity. If you have Game Pass, it's a great thing to do. Um, mm-hmm. We definitely recommend. So, so yeah, that's for me, Kate. Um, yeah, what about you? Um, well, I've kind of done the opposite. I, I've sort of gone accidentally uh, with Resident Evil to have a horror theme. Um, but the other day, I beat Outlast, which was that infamous horror game, the one with the they're your reporter and you like record the whole game through that like camcorder yeah and and that was on ps plus at one point as well right i believe um i'm not sure i don't think i personally have it but it might have been mm. previously uh i'm not 100 percent sure on that but um it, it's definitely like a, a well-known horror game and i would say it's probably it, it's got potential to be the scariest game i think i've ever played um but it's not my favorite horror game so it's kind of striking this this balance where it, it seems like it's very heavily inspired by both Resident Evil, which like it's almost hard to come across a horror game now that isn't. Yeah, it's so, um, so quintessential, also, right? Yeah, exactly. So it looks like it's about 50% that and 50% Amnesia, The Dark Descent, which was like... That's a scary-ass game, too. Yeah, that game is good. I would say that is probably my favorite horror game. I don't think I'm alone. That game kind of almost revolutionized how how yeah, modern yeah. horror games and work. It's, it's really kind of stood the test of time too because that game is oh, it's pretty old amnesia now i think it's like the early mid 2000s or something right not to get yeah, too off track <laughs> i i played that game. i was in high school when i played that game like it was mm-hmm. it was quite a while ago um and, and i think amnesia still holds up as a better game but i think like you know atlas benefits obviously by being a lot newer the graphics are a lot better uh, they could do a bit more with the making the ai smarter so it's kind of it's kind of got those those benefits but it's definitely piggybacking off of a lot of what amnesia did uh so it, it kind of works in the same sense as amnesia in terms of gameplay where there's no combat uh if you are detected by a monster and they have the desire to kill you, which spoiler, they absolutely will. Uh, then basically <laughs> your only option is to just try to run away, create as much distance as you can. Uh, and once you've done that, you have the mechanic of hiding. So it's usually under beds in lockers. Uh, and you know, basically sometimes anywhere that so you works. don't get your head ripped off. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like you, you can sometimes, well, you can sometimes like try to hide around a corner or like go somewhere that, it seems to be out of their sight line and occasionally that will work for you. Um, but there are also like designated hiding spots like under beds and um, in lockers and things where like you are a hundred percent hidden uh, and they will not find you unless every now and again, they'll like just by random happenstance, just like check under one bed. And that is the scariest thing in the world when you're hiding under the oh bed beside God. it. And you watch the you watch the monster check the bed and you're like the next bed over and you're like, oh shit, like don't check mine. Don't I check had that, mine. <laughs> I had that experience in Little Nightmares when I played that last year. Just the same kind of, it's definitely not as scary as something like Outlast, but the same kind of tension of like, oh God, I'm under this table. Like just go look under that one. Leave me over here. <laughs> yes, absolutely. 
Absolutely. And I think it's it's definitely that sense of helplessness that makes it so scary in, in comparison to something like Resident Evil, which I, I think is the other big, you know, the other game series that it reminded me of. But that's more in terms of story. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's set like kind of um, in an insane asylum and like these people sort of become monsters. And there's this big over the top, like almost comical plot about like science experiments that have gone absolutely wrong and you know like there's like a like monsters have been created and it's just absolutely ridiculous but in kind of like a resident evil sort of way uh, and i think like it's serviceable and like you find notes as you go along some of resident evil and you can read little like documents like an email from one employee to another or like you know something someone's like written down or documented about one of the characters so that's where like the majority of the story gets told to you. And every now and again, you meet a, a character who will, will have some dialogue with you um, because there's a couple that are like sane enough to do so. <laughs> just a couple. Um, yeah. Honestly, just a couple. It, it, it is. Um, yeah. You, you are not, you're not a friend to many characters in this game, um, but it's effective. I think uh, the other thing that, that makes it so scary and stand out for me. And I don't know if it's the first game to have done this, um, but it's the first one I played specifically where uh, you have like night vision is kind of a core mechanic. So like that you green hold your classic. recorder up. You, yeah, like the green classic night vision, like you hold your recorder up as you walk around. And the premise of that is it's kind of cute. The premise is that you're like a reporter and you've come to this place because there's all sorts of like bizarre rumors going around. So you've come to like investigate and then you get trapped in the asylum and then sort of your entire goal is okay i've gathered enough evidence in the first five minutes things are real fucked up i should leave (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's what a real person would do exactly so you are trying to escape but but you know you you're while you're here and you're you know you're locked in you might as well record as much as you can so you got your camcorder up um but it gets very dark in most of the areas so you have to turn like night vision on to see in the dark but then everything's like green and grainy and it just adds to that sense of like mm-hmm. you're so powerless yeah and your field of uh, use probably a lot reduced compared to what it usually is yeah exactly you can't see quite as clearly um and then the other tension is the only resource in the game are batteries so you really don't want to run out of those so it lends to a lot of sequences where you're kind of like you turn the turn it on for a couple seconds to look around turn it off and you like walk in the dark and you turn it back on and you're like okay i'm like scouting around a little bit more and then there's this like constant like on and off pressure of of if you should be using your your resource or not sounds Um, sounds stressful as hell it does. I think the game is very liberal with with giving you batteries, especially if you explore. Um, so I don't think there was ever a point where we were even close to running out when we played. But it, it definitely like it still adds the tension. And there's difficulty settings that you can you can play on, which I guess would would maybe would most likely decrease the amount of batteries that you can find or or yeah. how you know quickly you go through them. So, but we just we just played on the regular because it was. You know, it's it's good enough in atmosphere that it's scary enough. You don't yeah, you don't, you don't need to be adding to that. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is working as intended. It's fine. Um, cool. But yeah, overall, I, overall, I enjoyed it. I I think the only downside to the game, and my biggest complaint, is that I think it is a little bit too long. The I, I'm not sure how long my playthrough was, but I looked it up, and the average playtime is about five and a half hours. Which doesn't sound like a very long time, but the thing is, because you don't really have any gameplay options, it starts to get a little bit repetitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's pretty mechanically you, simple, right? If you get once you get past the horror, maybe you get a bit more acclimatized to that kind of setting. All of a sudden, you're you have very little you actually have to do. Yeah, exactly. And like you know, you go through like a few. They vary the settings up a little bit. There's like kind of like a a church sort of area, and there's an area where you get to do outside of the building and then there's like a a sewer section you go into and so it does vary up the areas as much as it can when basically the whole game takes place in one massive building um but it's not you know they're not super distinct from each other and when you're in those areas you're pretty much being accosted by the same couple villains so that isn't changing but but yeah overall it was good i think um there's just if it had been like an hour shorter and if it had um, maybe a couple less times where it was like, oh, you get to a new area, but you have to turn the power on, like hit find these two generators to turn on and then you can continue. Like it just sort of those like game mechanics kind of almost get in the way of exploring and trying to escape this this scary place. Yeah. So 
That's too bad. Felt, That's too bad. Um, yeah. Still, it's like still a good experience, though, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's still a good experience, and I'd still definitely recommend it if, you know, I don't know how many people who are into horror games that haven't played this one because it's so big. <laughs> yeah. And like fair. it did so well when it came out. Um, but yeah, I, I would definitely recommend it, but I would recommend even more so go play Amnesia. <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. Uh, we will take a quick break and we'll be back afterwards for uh, some talk about the news, including the PS Plus games for February 2021 and the Mass Effect Legendary Edition. So please don't go anywhere. We'll see you in a couple minutes. All right, everyone, welcome back for the second and middle part of the show, where we will be talking about uh, some news over the last couple of weeks from PlayStation. Um, Starting with, of course, Kate, it is a new month. It is 2021. It is February, and that means it is time for PlayStation Plus uh, selections. This month is an absolute winner as far as PS Plus games go. Uh, For those that haven't heard yet, of course, the news did come out a few days ago, but we have um, Destruction All-Stars coming from Lucid Games. Of course, that was actually supposed to be released earlier in the year, but it was changed to a PS Plus title a few months ago and is out this month. Uh, We also have Concrete Genie from Pixel Opus and Control uh, from Remedy, which does have the Ultimate Edition included for uh, the PlayStation 5 upgrade. So that's really exciting. Kate, I, I, I don't know where we even start with this. This is a three pretty strong selections. Yeah, this is a gr- this is like the best month that's happened in a while. Aside from maybe the Hollow Knight month, that was really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is like, yeah, Sony's been like, hey, happy Valentine's Day! Like, we really love you. <laughs> we love you. Take these games. Yeah. So for this those of you lovely. that, lovely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For the, for those of you that don't know, every month, uh, Kate and I both pick one one PS Plus game to talk about on the uh, the following episode, just to to get a little review in for you guys. But I think with this month, we're gonna try something a little bit different, just because we do have uh, such high profile games on the PS Plus lineup. So um, I think the plan will be that we're going to try and cover as best we can um, all three games. Uh, between the both of us including probably we'll both play destruction all stars i plan to actually try to beat concrete genie as well before next episode and then also check out some controls so um i don't know what your plan is kate but we'll we'll probably both have some experience with with all the games or or maybe at least two of the three yeah does destruction all stars i'm i'm definitely gonna play it looks like a fun kind of like you know party game sort of experience concrete Genie, and I'm, I'm hoping it's all right. I always mess it up. I want to call it Concrete Jungle for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> That's like a weird, uh, this, it, it is a game on, on PlayStation 3, like one of those indie games that came out yeah. near the start of the console, but yeah, totally different. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even think I'm getting a mix up with that. I just, for some reason, Concrete Genie it doesn't stick in my head properly, but I, I want to play that. I remember seeing it, I think, at E3 one year and thinking it just looked like, like, it looked like the game equivalent of like watching a Pixar movie. Mm-hmm. Or, hey, like, spoilers, anything. spoilers. I started playing it last uh, last couple nights and it's, ah. it's really beautiful. I, I really like yeah. it so far. Yeah, it looks just so wholesome and wonderful and, and I kind of forgotten it exists. So I'm really excited to check that out. Uh, Control's an, a game that's been on my list for a very long time and, and time permitting, I would love to get around to it. Um, but I just, I feel like I'm playing a lot of games right now and I don't want to like, Oh, you can't overdo it. Yeah, I don't overdo it. I don't like play the first couple hours and then like fall off of it. So like, I I don't know. I I might save that one and play the other two, but like definitely, I'm I'm very excited about Control. Like that game has been on my playlist for a long time. Yeah, no, same here. And I'm I'm so excited to check it out with the the PS5 upgrade just because I know it it does add in a lot of ray tracing and controller adaptive adaptive trigger stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I'm really excited to jump into that. Um, but in any case, we will have more talk about those three games uh, next episode. And like I said at the top of the show, if you've played any of those and have any opinions or thoughts or questions for us, uh, please send them in. Our email address is in the description of this podcast or wherever you're watching the show. Um, but Kate, why don't we move along to our second news story, which is that we have a release date for the Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Everyone celebrate. This is the best news. <laughs> I am so happy. Uh of course, Mass Effect is, is coming out on May 14th, which is actually really close to Resident Evil now that I think about it. So we're probably going to have some pretty damn good episodes around that time of year. Yeah, it's um, actually exactly a week after if everything goes to plan. Yeah, so so we have Mass Effect coming out. The release date's awesome, but the one piece of news uh, that I'm getting to here, which is from uh, IGN, Rebecca Valentine is saying that the game is not going to have a, stri- a strictly PS5 or Xbox Series X version, which is disappointing news, even though it does kind of get the imp- increased you know, frame rate and, and uh, loading times and whatnot from just upgrading the, the ps4 version naturally but it is a bit of a bummer just because 
I mean, Mass Effect is is one of the bigger franchises in gaming, or at least it was back when the games were kind of more current. Um, and it would be, would have been nice to have you know a, a true PS5 version, but I mean, I'll I'll take whatever I can get. I would love to. I can't wait to go back and revisit the the trilogy for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know you're a pretty big Mass Effect person. You didn't even hate the last one, which is uh, impressive oh. for a Mass Effect fan. <laughs> you know, the the last one isn't bad. It's just the the original trilogy is so damn good. And and when you're comparing it to that, it was gonna fall flat. I think it's yeah, it just just wasn't what it needed to be. But but it wasn't like terrible. Yeah, just my take. Yeah, that that's fair. I, I mean, I'm, I'm you're definitely the Mass Effect expert. I I played maybe the first half of game one. And uh, while I really did enjoy driving the Mako around, uh, I just didn't really stick with it. <laughs> you're you're the only person I've ever heard that enjoyed the Mako. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. The Mako was fucking awful. It's trash. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. I was gonna say, like, what the hell? <laughs> what are you talking about? I like I'm a. You know what? It it. I will say it. It maybe beats. Well, I'm say maybe it beats driving around the Borderlands cars. But you know what? That might even be a tough contest. <laughs> oh come on! It's not as bad as that. Well, yeah, it was, it was pretty bad, but we'll see. you know what? I, I like Mass Effect and I, I respect it a lot as a series. I just, it just wasn't for me. I'm not, I'm not into the space setting. Yeah. Too, well, it's too good. Much, it's so. good because you're more, you're more of the medieval fantasy stuff than me. So, so it works out. Exactly. I'll, uh, I'll play Resident Evil. You play Mass Effect and we'll, we'll call it a deal. <laughs> it's covered. It's covered. Uh, the other, the other piece of cool news that came out of this was that they, they confirmed Jennifer Hale. She plays a uh, female shepherd in, in the third game, but they've confirmed that she's coming back to do uh femme chef for all three games now. So that's, that's awesome news. I know people really liked her performance. So. Oh, that's um, awesome. We had that, uh, what, that one listener mail um, asking about, which one we thought was better. And we both agreed that we thought, well, both Sheps were good voice actors. Femme Chef mm-hmm. was the like yeah. superior way to play. I'm, I'm feeling like I actually might go with the female Shepherd when I play through on the, on the remaster, just because I want to see the differences. And also, you know, people just say she does such a good performance that I'd like to experience it, especially going all the way through and carrying, you know, the character across all three games. I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, anyway, let's move to our last news story for the day, Kate. This is just some more uh, sales stats like we had last time, except this time uh, we have the numbers for the PlayStation 5 console uh, from last year, which, uh, spoilers, no surprise, really, it's very similar figures to the PlayStation 4 launch, um, which is about four and a half million units in 2020. So pretty, pretty strong numbers here. And I think the only real reason they didn't sell more was because of the stock issues. So it's hard to say, I guess, really how it would have done if, if everything was, you know, in higher supply, but, but, uh, strong numbers nonetheless. Yeah. I was sort of surprised. I'm, I mean, just based on the fact that like it's so hard for people to get their hands on them and like get the sales numbers are still fantastic. So I think that's just a testament to like, you know, how big the console is, how many people want it. And then also like, unfortunately just, you know, how many, like, I would like to know that number of how many people were actually people buying the console or like, you know, scalpers and, and bots online eating them up. <laughs> I know. I think I saw um, a statistic the other day that it, it's one in 10 PS fives was bought by a scalper. So oh, that's if that's true, so that's high. that's a large percentage. That is really concerning because that is a that is a huge number, especially when you consider like just how many have been sold so far. But um, I, I guess in in a positive light, it, it bodes really well to you know how how well the console is going to do, and the fact that it you know it, it's it's performing well already, and that also like there's still so many people waiting to get their hands on one. Um, and the, the other thing this article points out that I I thought was interesting was that. Uh, and I don't know if this is something we'd heard before, but they're actually selling like the hardware is apparently selling um, like being sold loss, right? the cuts to make. Yeah, it's being like sold at a loss. And they're like obviously intending to make up their money on like PS Plus subscriptions and like game, game sales and stuff like that. Peripherals and controllers and things. So, yeah, I, I know a lot um, of consoles kind of go for that strategy. And, and I, I think it kind of makes sense because I know we were talking a lot about like price point numbers before the PS5 came out and they, they hadn't really talked about it for so long leading up to the launch. And and I think it, it's just one of those things where even if you're selling it at a launch, you just you just or at a loss, sorry, you can't really <laughs> price yourself out of the market in the, in in that way, because I, I know like with last generation, that's kind of what Xbox did. And it set them so far behind because nobody thought it was worth spending an extra hundred bucks just to get the that console, you know. So so even at a loss, I feel like this is really the only way they they could really do it. And then, like you said, try and make the, the extra cost up on subscriptions and, and games and that kind of thing. 
Yeah, I think it makes sense. And and like, yeah, like like you said, I think like, like the price that we played for our PlayStations by actually buying one, not through a scalper, <laughs> was reasonable. It was kind of like what we were hoping and expecting for. And and so it, it make it obviously is working out for them. So mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. that's great. Hopefully, we can just get more PlayStations in the hands of people who actually want to play them. <laughs> yeah, it's scary. It'll be scary to see how much uh, how, how many more end up be, being sold. To be honest, because it, like one other stat in this article is like PlayStation's revenue apparently increased. Um, 40% last year and it's like man this is supposed to be a hard time for a lot of people and yet there's like millions and millions of dollars changing hands over playstations and that's that's only the playstation there's still the switch was sold like you know even crazier numbers and same with xbox and selling a lot too so it's just one of those things like man this industry is like really growing right now thanks to covid it seems yeah no kidding like i'm definitely not like a business person but like it would be interesting i'm sure there's stats out there but yeah like this industry is kind of like it's almost like a good thing like people are stuck at home like we have so much more time for hobbies uh, or maybe like are looking to get into new hobbies so like it's a great time to to be a gamer <laughs> amen amen it's always a good time to be a gamer though you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's not like something you put on like a t-shirt that you buy it like old navy <laughs> oh man we gotta get those t-shirts made it's a good time to be a gamer Oh man. Okay. I need a break, Kate. Let's, let's take another short break and then we'll come back, uh, maybe get into some discussion about uh, video game difficulty. So please uh, take a break and we'll see you again in one second. Please don't go anywhere. All right, everybody, welcome back. We are here to close out the show for the third segment uh, by talking about video game difficulty, thanks to a question we got written in for listener mail, uh, which goes as follows. Uh, What are your opinions on the difficulty of video games? Do you believe all video games should have difficulty settings built into the options? Or are some games better left the way the developers created them? Uh, created them despite their lack of accessibility to lesser skilled gamers uh it's a big question kate and i and i know like difficulties kind of become a big topic kind of in the industry over the past few years um especially with the you know the rise of kind of souls games and i'm sure you have a lot of opinions on those but um yeah it's a big question what are your kind of overarching thoughts where do you want to start I mean, it is a big topic and it's a very controversial one as well. And I think these kind of questions always kind of, they're hard to come up with a definitive answer. It always boils down to like, well, it's sort of a case by case basis. And I think the most important thing to look at right now is like, why games have certain difficulties? Like, is there a reason for them is integral to the, to the experience the developers want to can, you know, to convey and have you, you play through it. And like, also like what kind of reasons do people want easier modes? Like, I think there, there's, you know, in, in, a, the, in a broad sense, there's things like disability options, like a colorblind mode and and things for that people who have disabilities, like all games should have that where possible, right? Like, yeah, you know, those yeah. are just things that, that like, um, what's the word? They, they exclude certain right? people. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I think like anything that can help include someone is, is generally a good thing. Uh, and so I, I think I kind of like, edge on the side of like you know when it's possible it's good to have as many options as you can and like to have more people be able to experience a game that's that's only good but i i definitely see the argument from the other side and think at the same time even if it's kind of contradictory to to how i feel about you know someone else having a different experience doesn't take away from my experience so i kind of contradict myself and then saying that like i think some difficulties are integral to to how the vision of the game and i think to remove them or make it easier would would kind of like mm-hmm. change it would change the, the experience game. right yeah and i and i think that's sort of like i think the developer does have that ability to say like no we want it played a certain way this was our vision and i think that's something that they're allowed to decide and if that means that you know you find a game is too difficult for you or you don't want to play it like i i think that's acceptable for them to to say well then maybe this is an experience for you maybe you're better off like watching a let's play or or engaging with it in some other way or or just playing something else like so i, I don't know i feel kind of conflicted on on both sides of it yeah I, you know i i agree with a lot of what you said but i i have 
I think there's a clear distinction to be made here of what we're talking about because I I think there's a lot of not misconception but a lot of confusion and this is something um Danny O'Dwyer talks a lot about kind of uh, he's the guy from NoClip mm-hmm. um I, I've watched a lot of what he had to say and and I I really agree that that with what he, what he has to say that difficulty is not the same as accessibility and and I think I really want to make that clear um especially yeah. like you're talking about the accessibility options colorblind modes um you know any kind of thing to slow the game down so your reflexes don't have to be quite as, as skilled if you're someone that has some kind of impairment that that prevents you from having you know that that split uh second reflex or, or whatever kind of disability someone may be living with i think that we're, we're totally right about putting as much accessibility as possible in every game um to make like text size you know augmentation hud augmentation all these different things are putting into games now it's awesome and and to me i kind of lose this argument a little bit because um in in the sense that I don't think accessibility has anything to do with the difficulty of a game. Like this mm-hmm. question for listener mail is saying, you know, are despite um, should games be left the way developers created them, despite their lack of uh, accessibility to less skilled gamers? Well, just because someone needs some accessibility options, in my view, doesn't mean they're a less skilled gamer. That's a different argument um, than than like being able to to play because of um, you know, let's just say color blindness is as the example we'll use to to have this argument. But, but to like, you know, do you know what you mean? That's the difference mm-hmm. that I kind of differentiate. Um, and then difficulty to me is more so like how the game plays. And to me, if, if you're not good at a game, like, like I'm not good at the Souls games in general, right? If we want to use that as an example, I suck at Sekiro. I can't beat Lady Butterfly. I'm not someone that, that needs to use an accessibility option to play it. And I'm just a lesser skilled gamer at the game and I can't beat it. And so I don't, I don't think there should be necessarily the 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 same argument for someone who, like me that doesn't use the accessibility options as someone that that does need to use them to in order to be able to play. Yeah, I, I think it's a really good distinction to make, and I think unfortunately there's a lot of overlap, especially with certain things like you mentioned the reaction time maybe not being as quick. Like some of those things you can't really get around. Like it's going to be tied to the difficulty. Like you know, like Souls is going to come up. Like I, I don't know how you how you make that a better experience for for players that really fundamentally changing the gameplay um but i i think that like definitely while there is that overlap it still is an important distinction to make like yeah accessibility versus difficulty is is not the same thing and like there's like colorblind modes are like becoming so prevalent in games and i think that's fantastic like it obviously doesn't change the difficulty of the game it has nothing to do with how difficult it is but it makes it you know a lot more comfortable of an experience for for people who need that option and like Mm -hmm. there was um there was a game recently too and i wish i'd I wish I knew the name of it. I just saw it sort of like in a YouTube clip and it was a game that had like spiders as an enemy. Um, yes. Oh, I know like- what it is. That's um that Xbox game on Game Pass where it's like the survival game, but you're shrunken down like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and you're in the yes. garden. What's Whatever it's called, uh, man, it'll come to me, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's wonderful. And I don't know if I ever learned the name of it, but it, it just it was so beautiful that they'd made options to like adjust how the spiders looked for people who have like arachnophobia. Mm-hmm. Um and the funny thing about that is some of the the spider options, like because you know, like a lot of the a lot of people who have trouble with that, it's the way they move, right? It's the way they skitter, or like yeah. you know, it's the eyes. Like there's some distinct part of a spider that that bothers them. But so, some of the options, so you can take away its legs and its floats, so you can take away its eyes. But like some of them are like almost scarier to me personally. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like oh, this like weird floating spider. Like oh, this is like and now it's a science horror creature. It's um, grounded, but- by the way. Yes, grounded. That's right. Um, but yeah, I, I think stuff like that is is wonderful. Um, and I think like, you know, I don't know what kind of person wouldn't agree that 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 should just be an option. Um, but I, I guess maybe we should get into specifically talking about difficulty as well. Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah, I, I just think it's an important distinction to make because I, I feel like yeah. like a lot of the discourse I see kind of online and just, you, you know, whenever you go on forums and whatever people are saying, I think they just get those terms really conflated. And it's it's just not the same argument, really. You know, you can have one without the other to a certain extent, even though there is kind of that gray area where you kind of cross them over here and there. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, to me, difficulty is essential for certain games and it's not essential for others. And it's as simple as that in terms of like the strict, strictly the design of the game. Like, for example, I, I feel like the, the argument kind of always gets brought back to um, action games like the Souls games or, you know, stuff like, 
more competitive kind of action focused titles but no one ever really talks about difficulty in terms of like rpgs or puzzle games and stuff and i just i don't even know if this if the argument kind of that's going on is really about difficulty as much as it is like difficulty in certain genres which i think is an interesting point yeah it's interesting because i i've kind of made myself two examples that maybe i'll I'll go through quickly and, and one fits into that rpg it's obviously you know soul stuff like it's this is a lot of the where the, you know, it, it's not where it comes from, but it has sparked a lot of discussion. Uh, for people, I think Sekiro like, was kind of the time when it became, you know, one of the biggest kind of discussions surrounding like the game industry is like this difficulty thing. I feel it's existed for a while, but I think Sekiro back in 2018 was was kind of where this really took off in terms of like becoming a yeah, huge exactly. thing. Yeah, exactly. I, I think so. I think this game, you know, one game of the year, a lot of people wanted to check it out, went into it, didn't have you know, maybe some experience with some of FromSoft's older games and like, you know, it was it was a lot harder than they, you know, anticipated and were like, well, fuck, I just bought this $80 game, game of the year and like, I can't play it. This is awful. Um, so yeah, we'll come back to that. And I, I think difficulty is there for a reason in a lot of games. And I, I think that it's it's sort of unfair to, to say that, you know, that that's something that can just be adjusted or or that it's easy to just, you know, like make some sliders go up and down and and it's easy now but um i i think like it's integral to the game like miyazaki the um from soft director who's like you know the the main guy on all these games he's had a quote before because obviously he's been asked interviews and whatnot and he says that he doesn't want to change or add difficulty settings because he wants the player to feel accomplished and that's a core part of how they design the games like he he wants you to feel like you've come up against this insurmountable challenge and it really does feel like that when you know you get to a really hard part of the level or a really tough boss in a lot of uh the souls games and games in, in a similar genre and it is like oh my god there's no i'm ever going to beat this it's so hard and then you sort of like improve as a player and it clicks and, and you beat it and it genuinely does feel like a wonderful sense of accomplishment um so I, I think that's that would be diminished if if the difficulty wasn't there, and then Agreed. also. But oh, I'll, maybe I'll make my point after you, I guess. But okay, yeah. uh, and and also, um, I think it's also it's subtle, but it does a lot for atmosphere. Uh, and Dark Souls in particular is like this. It's very bleak and oppressive, and you're kind of searching for hope and light in these really grim worlds, and and you're 100% an underdog, and that is told to you kind of in the story and the lore and in your character and who you are in the world in your place in the world but it's also reinforced by this gameplay of like it's so hard and and anything can kill you and you're up against like the such a massive challenge and you're you're fighting literal gods when you're just like a little human and i think like yeah in one hand i i do understand like it sucks like some people want to experience the story or like maybe there's one particular boss that they're stuck on that you know if they could skip and get through to the next area be fine but i think some of these games they they do put in like ways to help you know like you can summon someone to help if if you're having trouble with the boss and like they, they do kind of give you little bits and pieces here and there and i i don't know like it it just seems like there would be a diminishing effect for for how it feels if it wasn't so hard like it was a core idea and intentional part of the game's design and i i think like well you know like i, I don't know i'm so conflicted like i i want people <laughs> to be able to enjoy it and to, and to like have a good time but at the same time like i don't think the developers are like villains for not adding it in like i think it's kind of up to their discretion it's like at the end of the day it's their art that they've created yeah and, yeah well that's the you thing know, right it's up to you right so agreed agreed i i don't know i i feel like i i feel like the more you were talking there the more i actually disagree with a lot of what you had to say and that's interesting because hmm. i feel like we're usually on the same page with a lot of stuff okay. um interesting okay maybe i'll give you my my other example and then you can tell me if you still agree or disagree how's that sure sure how about that uh my other thing that i come up with i actually think is a is almost a better example but you know it was maybe the, the less necessary one is i actually thought of the game darkest dungeon yeah that game uh, yep 
which is, uh, it's a relatively hard game, I I think. It's kind of more of like a decision-making turn-based RPG, Um, but it's kind of centered on the the core concept of like the psychological horror of exploring dungeons and and fighting monsters and like the trauma your characters suffer. So, Mm -hmm. And and then you you go crazy in that game based on how long you're in the dark or something, right, as well? um, Yeah, so basically what happens is you, it's kind of built around this tension of like a risk reward system of like how far you're willing to explore each dungeon to like level up more and get more resources um but then you're also managing your character's sanity levels and so like if you push too far in a dungeon or like don't have a good run your characters end up with all sorts of like issues such as like they become paranoid or they become like hopeless and they have like all these negative like status conditions based on like what they've experienced in this like kind of like lovecraftian dungeons you go through uh, and then so that's the main part of the game. And then the other half of the game is kind of like a, a little like city management sim. And you have to like, you know, like let them pray or like do something to sort of like get their sanity back. And I think like that's kind of like what the game is about. Like that was their idea. So like if the game was wasn't difficult and it's not like incredibly hard, but it is hard. But I think like it would almost kind of trivialize the tension of the game if it was, you know, like the, the the experience the developers want you to have is that like tension of the risk and reward. Like, is is do I push on for a little bit more? Is that too greedy? Should I just leave the dungeon now, come back later uh, with like a fresh party? Like, you know, is it worth it or not? And that if it, the game was just too too easy, like you wouldn't have that. And I feel like the game would lose a lot of like what actually makes it interesting because it's supposed to be a kind of like psychological aspect of it, and like almost like, like you're humanizing these characters with what they're going through. But that only works if there's actual danger. So I yeah, think like yeah. the, I, I think in some cases the difficulty is justified and it it's there for an intentional reason. Yeah. I, I'm gonna start with what I have to say about it, I guess, with the caveat that I like I agree that the difficulty is an intention of certain games. Like you're just like I'm not playing Donut County for a difficult time. I just wanted something easy to play. Um, Mm -hmm. when I play something that is more difficult, say, you know, Darkest Dungeon, or I I like The Messenger, like I just spoke about a couple episodes ago, I like the challenge of that game. And and part of the thing is the satisfaction you're talking about of like, wow, that was a, that was a hard boss. Like, thank God I beat him. I feel really good about myself like that. I, yeah, totally. I understand. I think my viewpoint comes down to like, as much as the, the artistic intention is there. And I don't, I guess it's not an expectation that there should be a bunch of, you know, difficulty settings and a a bunch of extra work put into a ton of different menus and all this stuff and I think people really have this fear of like oh man this is a really important game to me I really like it this way and and you know it's gonna they have a fear it's gonna cheapen their experience if someone else gets a different one than them but but I don't know the argument of like I can see it both ways right because on one hand sure Miyazaki the guy from Souls is is designing this experience that's supposed to be done a certain way and and it's supposed to be very difficult and you can overcome it and it's and you feel good when you do it and I totally get that feeling but the thing is is that not everyone has the same base skill level and for for someone like me like I consider myself like pretty damn good at video games right like I I freaking do a podcast about them I I play a lot of games um but I can't beat Lady Butterfly I can't I can't do it and so what that's done for me is someone like me who doesn't want to either put the time or practice or I just I just suck too much. I Instead of getting that experience, I've now basically been unable to play the game. And it's it's not that I want to go through and have this easy time where I just touch the boss one time and he falls down and dies and I can't get hurt by anything. And I'm just this invincible walking death machine. But I mean, <laughs> having an ability to, hey, you know, you've lost against Lady Butterfly 55 times. Maybe you want to turn on like, you know, this slight regenerating health mod, or maybe you want to make her health down by 5%. Like maybe there's some kind of slider you could do. Mm-hmm. Um, and and to me, like, I don't see the difference between putting the difficulty just the one single way that can't be changed and or designing the game, having that as the default thing and just putting a disclaimer at the start of the game being saying something like, Hey, we've crafted this experience and it's supposed to be designed this special way so that you get this wonderful experience the way we designed. However, for those of you that just seem to get stuck or need a little extra push, you know, there is this menu you can go to if you want. And, and to me, like that's such a small thing they can do to be inclusionary that, that doesn't really take anything away. Like if you're some person that's really serious about being the best and being really good about souls and, and being really powerful and, you know, conquering this game, that's great. Like you haven't lost anything just because other people 
can can play it slightly differently than you. Um, I just don't understand how people can view that as cheapening their their own experience. I guess. Um, and an example of this that I can think of is is when you know Rockstar designs Grand Theft Auto. They're not designing mm-hmm. that game. Their intention is not that you're going to go and steal ten sports cars and run over hookers and just drive around until the police catch you. <laughs> Like maybe it is now because I mean, by, that's kind of what now, it's become, maybe. right? But that <laughs> yeah. that wasn't what it was like in like Grand Theft Auto two and three, like Vice City. Like you're you're right. you're supposed to go through and do the missions and and do the side quests and and that's their intention. But people had more fun right. playing it a different way. And so, like, why is that okay in a in a game just because we don't care about the difficulty of Grand Theft Auto? Yeah, yeah. You know, you know I, I you know I'm, I'm kind of playing devil's advocate a little bit, but I I hundred percent I do agree with you. I think what it comes down to is not like what's ideal um but just sort of like you know what's expected and what's realistic i think like ideally like yeah those options are are just a good thing for for certain people right like and i think you kind of hit the nail on the head with saying like the game should explain to you kind of what's intended but here's an option if you'd still like to deviate i think that's Mm -hmm. a really good point in the sense that like it's kind of like the perfect counter argument for what i was saying like you know developers can still give you what's their intended experience this is my vision for it but just in case here's a here's a caveat to that and so you know you're still you don't have to worry about you know am i getting the right play style for me is this is this what i should be choosing like am i playing the game right because you know you have the confidence that that you are or you you know you're making that choice to change it like i think the worst thing games do and i hate it when i start a game and it's like which at the very beginning before you have any context like which difficulty mode would you like and it's like easy if you're a baby normal the normal mode hard if you're like not a coward and extra hard if like you're a super badass and it's like that doesn't tell you anything like yeah yeah right and what, well, and what I don't if you know need which... the difficulty changed in a certain aspect of that game too right yeah there's there's so many different different factors rather than just saying oh the game is harder now yeah like in what way is it harder how how does it change when you change yeah. that difficulty slider exactly like it, it's so vague it's not really helpful um so i you know like you just sort of end up picking normal a lot of the time or, or just kind of defaulting to one position that you always take and it's maybe not the best experience for you, for you personally or for the game itself but like you know you're kind of just locked into this arbitrary choice you've made based off of like oftentimes like a joking not even that serious description so yeah. I, I think i think a key to to making it sort of like make everybody feel happy and and work for everyone is that like a clear distinction of like what exactly you're picking what exactly like it the game recommends and then it's great i think the only problem you get into now is like that's some resources it takes for the developers to do this and like i I don't know how much extra work it is or, or how like feasible it is it doesn't seem like it's a huge thing but i know a lot of like games kind of you know they get crunch time at the end and they're rushed for a lot of things and like it, it does put extra pressure on on the developer, extra money to to work on the mm-hmm. game for longer and to create these extra settings. So it's like if they put it in, I see it only as a good thing. But I also think that if they don't put it in, like I don't think they should be villainized. Like some people get really extreme into the argument and like, you know, like kind of like oh, there's almost like that entitled sense of like, well, why didn't they put in an option for me? And it's like, well, it would be wonderful if they did. That would be absolutely lovely. But like you know like yeah there's a point to which it's realistic and a point to which it's it's not right like you you can't take every mm-hmm. single game and expect it's going to have 200 different difficulty sliders for specific different different things and i totally get that it's not you may, i mean there's always going to be no matter if you were to have the best intention and put the most diverse difficulty settings ever there still would be one person on the planet that does buy the game <laughs> and there's some way that they're still unable to complete it for a difficulty reason again not talking accessibility oh, just just difficulty I thought, right i thought you're gonna say there's at least one person that will complain it's like of course oh no no but compl- also, of course also yeah. yes to what you said but also yes about people just complaining because they will no matter what <laughs> exactly yeah I, I don't know like like a good example for me too i go back to sometimes with this discussion is like is celeste right i i played celeste a couple years ago yes. on my switch loved it i I loved Celeste. I had a great time. I managed to beat the campaign. I did not get all the collectibles. I couldn't be bothered to do that, but I completed the campaign and I did it on the normal difficulty. Do I feel less accomplished for beating that because some people turned off the the fact that they don't get killed by the spikes? 
Uh, no, I don't. And I, and I'm only happy for that because it probably, like, like you said, did it take more resources to put that feature in the game? Probably a few, right? Small team making the game, but then also how many more people have bought that game for a, like a little kid, for example, that's just getting into games and like the way it looked, but didn't understand it's like a difficult experience. So they buy it for their kid, turn that mode on. And then, and then they sold another copy of the game to someone that wouldn't have otherwise played. So you can balance that side of the argument also to a certain extent. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I think in an ideal world, it's good. And Celeste is one that kind of comes up a lot in this discussion. I haven't played it yet, um, but I, I know that it's known for having really good difficulty settings, like you said, like, you know, turning off very specific features like spike mm-hmm. traps or like, you know, like having different health adjustments or like having the game move a little bit slower and like you can kind of toggle all those things, which is, I think is yeah. fantastic. And I think the, the game I played that I think is the best adjust approach to that with adjustable difficulty which i think is, is the best way to do difficulty um kind of having you let let the players pick and choose what aspect to to toggle yeah i totally uh, agree and i really like i really like the way that super giant does it um so it's, yes. in, it's in hades as well but it even goes back to their their first game to bastion and the way they do it is really clever because it isn't they they do it almost like in a positive way instead of a negative there's there's that negative connotation of like well i'm making the game easier like ugh, like i don't want to do that um you know and and like it, it shouldn't matter but you know some people have a little bit of an ego attached to it but with supergiant what they do instead is they turn around and they say hey this is the base game you know like sometimes it's kind of a tutorial section or you know it's sort of an easy win and then you get to a point and they say hey Here's some features that you can turn on if you want um, that make the game harder in a specific aspect, but will give you additional rewards. So it's awesome. Like you can you can do that in Hades after a certain point. Bastion had it too, where you could it was actually actually kind of ironically, it would be, I think it was like praying to different gods. Yeah, <laughs> so something like that, right? That kind of uh that that sort of made it through a few iterations of their games. But yeah, yeah. you pray to certain gods and it'll be like, oh, you get more XP, but enemies do like 20% more damage, or like, you know, you yeah. have you have your health reduced, but um but you do you do more damage. So there was there was various things you can pick and choose, and, and Pyre has that as well. Um, and so they put that in all their games, and I, I think that's really nice because it puts the onus on the on the player to be like, I would like more difficulty. I'm getting a really good reward for it, or like you know what, I'm comfortable with how it is, and getting those extra rewards isn't really gonna gonna matter much in the end. Yeah. Um, but it lets you kind of like tailor your experience to to where you are skill wise, and also in terms of like. You know, like some games you play and you, I, I enjoy that it's challenging, right? Like I, like with Hades earlier, I was saying like, I, you know, I'm putting on these extra settings because I want to, I'm trying to push myself to see how far I can make it. And I want a hundred percent it. But there's other games too, like Empire, for example, um, I never turned on any of these extra settings because I'm just sort of wanting to experience the story. The gameplay isn't a focus for me uh, with that one in particular. So I think those are the best approaches and the best settings in letting I think the, so the too. player kind of like dictate how they want to they want to play but again it, it sort of like it needs to fit the framework of the game so there, there's so many variables that go into it yeah I think I think for the vast majority of games there there is an argument to be made that they, they could do stuff to to put those type of difficulty settings in in some way and of course there's mm-hmm. I mean maybe to summarize like the conversation is like there I'm there are specific examples where where the difficulty is part of the game and intrinsically tied, but I don't know. I feel like that is not the majority of games, and the ones that you that people pick out where it is tied to the difficulty are few and far between. Honestly, um, I don't know. Like I feel like that's a really souls thing to do to bang that <laughs> drum one more time. It's like that's kind of the argument for those games, but and and like other ones too. I guess like some some other difficult. Um, I'm trying to think of one on the top of my head here. I'm drawing a bit of a blank, but honestly, but I mean, like. I, I think the most difficult games are games like platformers. Like what I have trouble with the most is like I've been playing the like Crash Insane trilogy and holy shit, oh, that man. game is hard. Well, those are old though. That's a whole different argument because they're they're yeah. tough because games were made just tough as nails because they were short. But, exactly. But I think that that's out. a good that's a good like example that I've just on the cuff thought of is I think the new one, Crash 4, is like you can turn off lives and just like get to 
go from the checkpoint, whereas um, in the original Crash, you run out of lives, you have to start the level from like the very mm -hmm, beginning, mm -hmm. which makes it so much harder. And it's like, well, now it just feels repetitive and frustrating. But then See, at the same time, like, I don't know, if you're a purist on that game, you're like, well, that, that's part of it. So yeah, like, but that's just, that's just <laughs> such a false way to make something harder, right? though, in my opinion. Just because you can't execute it a certain number of times in a row, it doesn't make it harder. It just makes it more yeah. tedious. I, I agree. Anything that, yeah. Lives TDM are bad, folks. Good. Don't make lives. You if you're making a game and if you're a game developer listening right now, just do not make a live system. <laughs> just give us some nice checkpoints, okay? Or if you do, make it really creative and hide it so we don't even know it's live. Exactly. <laughs> or maybe make you so you can turn it on, uh, just so if you someone wants that option, yeah. they can have it. But I think I, I think our TLDR is toggles are fantastic. Um, I have one other point, and it's just it's kind of more of a joke point, but I, I think it's good too. Is that, like we talk a lot about difficulty modes in terms of like should there be an easy mode, and that's always kind of the focus is like easy mode easy mode easy mode games are too hard but i think developers should also be like careful and smart about if they're making harder modes too like you got a lot of games that's like play on hard mode and and you know sometimes that's exciting but a lot of the time you get those like really shitty hard modes that are just like it's the exact same game but the enemies have like double the health bar so they just soak up more yeah, damage right, but right, it doesn't right. change the gameplay in any meaningful way so like exactly. i know that's not what people think of a lot of the time when they think about difficulty options but i think it's also something kind of fun to point out like if you're gonna make a hard mode like you know yeah, make it interesting that, or rewarding in point. some way <laughs> that's a good point too like a lot of rpgs do that with new game plus where it's like hey play through the story again but you can use your character's full ability set from the start and and the enemies are harder and all that so it's kind of cool yeah i never really thought about difficulty in that way yeah but. like yeah like those new game plus systems are cool because like i've got this weapon i got late game i want to try it out or like i'm going to do a different build or like yeah, like that, that kind of stuff is, is sort of neat. It's like replaying the game, but with a slightly different perspective. But then you get like, yeah, I played extra hard on like Borderlands and this, you know, I'm using the exact same gun, but this guy just has like yeah. triple the health he used oh, to Borderlands have. No new was, move. Yeah, that's, a, that's an <laughs> awful example, like, or a good example of an awful way to do it where the enemies just become mm -hmm. like super strong, have different shields. You know, I just had a really interesting um, difficulty thought as well. I, and I don't know if you know this about The Last of Us, but... Um, after beating it, I watched like a couple speed runs about it and the speedrunners actually play that game on the difficult, um, the, the hardest setting because what it does is it, is it makes it so the enemies, instead of having, um, I guess a certain amount of health allocated to their, their head or something, it makes it so like headshots are guaranteed one hit kills or something like that. So you yeah. can actually kill enemies quicker, even though, um, you also die from a one hit uh, one from a headshot as well as the player. So if oh, you know what you're doing, you can actually go through the game faster, even though it's on a harder difficulty uh, because huh. of the, the kind of the tweaks are there, even though you're at more risk of dying. So huh, that's interesting. I think that's, yeah. that's, that's cool. I think that's kind of common, especially for, for games like, like the Bastion example where it's like, yeah, it makes it harder, but like you also get more rewards. But like if you're like incredible at the game enough to speed run, then like it doesn't matter if you take more damage because you're not getting hit. So yeah. Yeah. That's that's actually a really cool fact. I like that. It is. It's a cool one. Um, anyways, um, I think we've had a really good discussion here. I, there's obviously so much more to unpack about difficulty and, and the examples yeah. we can bring in. And this is and, this uh, is a black hole of a conversation. This is a donut county hole of a conversation. <laughs> it is, but I'm glad we've kind of planted our flag and, and cemented it out. I mean, at the end of the day, like the, the more people that can play games, obviously the better, because we'd love mm -hmm. to share the things we love with with everyone that that, that you know is interested. Um, mm -hmm. but I mean, there's some wiggle room and some, some caveats in there for sure. So, um, in any case, Kate, I think that's going to do us for the episode today. So, uh, again, thank you everyone for listening and joining us for episode 23. Um, and again, you send us your thoughts on the PlayStation plus games for February. Um, we'll be doing a big blowout on those games, uh, on February 22nd on episode 24 of the show, uh, and coming up on episode 25, just to give you a little teaser, uh, for the celebration of the I guess we're quarter way to 100 episodes um, by episode 25, obviously, doing the math. Uh, so yeah. we thought we'd celebrate by doing a combined top 25 games of all time list uh, where we'll have to maybe uh, sort out which games are on the list, which ones make it, which ones don't uh, on a combined list. So uh, maybe a bit of argument is going on there. Um, we'll see. We'll see. It's a couple episodes away, but I'm really looking forward to that. Um, <laughs> I know you are too. I know. So. I, I've already been stressing about it <laughs> in, in a good way, in a, in a wonderful and good way. <laughs> uh, well, we got to episode 24 to do before that. Uh, so like I said, join us again on February 22nd uh, for the PlayStation Plus blowout, and we will see you then. Thanks for listening. The intro and outro music for Circles and Squares was produced by friend of the show, Matthew Chan. Interlude music is from Scott Gratton of the Free Music Archive. 
Our channel art was created by at Unreasonable on Twitter, and our brother Alex is the designer of the Circles and Squares logo. Thank you all for listening and supporting the show.